Peace and blessings, good people, and welcome to Father Share the Podcast on Fatherhood in 20. Today, I am your host, Fleming. And I'm Miss Vaughn. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Rashid Smith of AGS Programs. Welcome, Mr. Smith. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate thanks it. for having me. Appreciate so now tell us about, about your program, man. Huh? Uh, man, AGS Programs, uh, we're an outpatient mental health clinic located in Baltimore City. Uh, we service children and adults in Baltimore City, as well as the surrounding counties. Um, the programs that we provide, uh, individual, family, and group therapy. We have medication management. We have psychiatric rehabilitation. We have BUI, BWI, early education. Uh, we have IOP and OP for substance use. Uh, and we got a few PHP, low intensity housing, Got a few of those things coming up through the pipeline. So, you know, AGS, that's that's who we are, which stands for Achieving Your Greatest Self. Okay. Mm. Well, sure. well, I salute you on that, man. Definitely. Well, I appreciate it. You know, people, look, I think if this pandemic has shown us anything, is that people out there that need help, you know? Yeah. And I think definitely people that didn't even, maybe didn't even realize that they needed help, you know, they're like, you know what, I need some help. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, to speak to that, you also got to factor in, like, your happy hours were taken away. Mm-hmm. Your, mm-hmm. your your work schedule was taken away as far as being out of the home and being able to say, hey, I'm still at work, mm-hmm. right? That's something that's not looked at as like, hey, I'm at happy hour again. If I'm at work for longer hours, I'm bringing in more money in the home. But all of those different entities that we were used to engaging in was taken away from us at a snap of a finger, right? Mm -hmm. Overnight. That they know snap. Right. For real, for real. You know, and and so now it's like, oh, I got a parent now. I got to sit with my wife. I got to, you know, discover self. Mm-hmm. Right. And and our lives are so succumbed with so much distractions that we weren't even able to identify that these distractions played a huge role within our life. And so the pandemic brought us up close, up close and personal with that. Right. So almost in a sense of someone's level of escapism, you know, like a happy mm-hmm. your escapism working Snatch. At, at right is gone. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that is. Uh, yeah. You're right about that. You know, I, yeah. you know, that's, I didn't even look at it. That I didn't way. look at it from that perspective. But, you know, but again, you got the same thing. I mean, you know, people that love traveling, that's their like, you know, that 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 way for them to sort of kind of get away and maybe breathe or your. um recreational mm-hmm. usage to deal with or cope with your day to day. It's like you ain't had none of that. So yeah. yeah. And that's and that's on like a, a bigger scale. Now when we when we come from a micro level, we talking about for women, hair and nails. Honey, right? let me tell you <laughs> hey self care is huge, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Honey, let me tell you how just mind boggling and crazy it is. Like that is why I, you know, it's always been in my budget, but for those two months, I could not get it done. I'm not nice. Yeah, I'm sitting, like, yeah, look, I'm sitting over here with the fingernail clippers and some. <laughs> hey, we, you know, we had to tell and, these barbers like, man, y'all essential. Right. I was not understand. Like, you know, barbers, hairdressers, nails. No, these are um estheticians. No, these are essential. Because Absolutely. my mental health is related to how I look at my appearance. I don't care if I'm just in the house. My nails need to be done. My yeah. hair needs to look some type of way. My eye like yeah, that boss, that boss stayed open though. <laughs> that, that, I'm, I'm telling you, like it, no, it did. That bar stayed it, open. It did. They were considered it essential. 
Yeah. Right. And, and I think because it was like that when those at first that first two months, you said everything closed. Wait, when you say everything, everything like. Yeah. So how did your clientele or even your business kind of change? So say from February to March, because February, it was like a little bit talk of it. And then all of a sudden in March, it was like, okay, this might be a little serious. And then one day they were just like, this is a pandemic. Everybody has to stay home. And then it's just like, boom. Yeah. And so, so for you got different variations of it, right? Because okay. one, the department, they took their time as it relates to which programs they wanted to allocate to use telehealth, right? All programs were still face-to-face treatment and they were not approved for telehealth visits initially. And so then you have the employer who, yeah, we hear this, it's a pandemic, but it hasn't really affected me yet and I still need my money. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, now I got to put my life on the line. Now that we understood the seriousness of it, I got to put my life on the line so I can still keep these lights on. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have remember my population that I serve is uh, low social economic. That's majority. That's like 85 percent of my population. So now we're talking about Wi-Fi access. We're talking mm-hmm. about the single parent who has one phone and three children, right? Mm -hmm. So how are we supposed to do school and telehealth before they gave out, you know, the the computers for school? Mm -hmm. We had to utilize this one phone, let alone mom missing out on her things that she needs to do because the phone is being utilized for therapy or um, something related to school. So it, it was an adjustment period for everybody. And I think that was our motto as, you know, we kind of went throughout treatment and had to figure it out that, hey, this is new on you, but this is new on us as well. And so from our level of service delivery, from the interns we had coming in to trying to stay within your traditional therapy stance that you have with your consumers, they had to buy into the way we are right now. You know, some of them, it worked greatly, but then... When we get into the diagnosis of people, then you see this telehealth, your ADHDs, your hyperactivities, right? Your um, schizophrenia, right? Somebody sitting still and really trying to just deal with this for a period of time, it, it, it took a lot of adjustment. So you had to become really skillful within your delivery, right? right? You, you had to schedule the breaks if you needed to for the hyper kid. You had to incorporate exercise for the younger ones. You had to step away just to give them a break so it doesn't become too boring for them, right? So we we, we had to figure it out, you know, on the go. And, you know, I think we made a good adjustment. I mean, we're still learning, but I think we did pretty good. And I think the legislator here in Maryland is trying to um, see if they're going to make uh, telehealth permanent, which they give consumers of choice if they want to do face-to-face or telehealth. So I think that'll be huge if we can get that passed. And plus, you you know, you thought, well, I thought that, okay, since we had to chase these people for face-to-face, now that we have telehealth, I'm sure they're going to be readily accessible to get sessions completed. And <laughs> for some, it was the total opposite. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the total opposite. But, you know, it, we, we, we working through it. Okay. Okay. So I know you said you deal with kids and things of that nature. How has, from your perspective, how did this pandemic kind of affect them? Uh, so it, it affected them in, in, in various ways. Um, you know, a lot of people got a chance to discover self throughout, throughout this pandemic. Um, whether it was positive things or if it was negative things, right? Because for so long, right, um, we've been able to disguise things from being preoccupied with something else, whether it was sports activities, um, whether it was tutoring services, whether it was being on a game system, right? And so even the game system had to be minimized because now we're talking about, bro, you're using up all the internet. We need that. Like you, you can't jam that up all day, and then you want it to three, four in the morning. Right. Like, right. come on, bro. We 
And then Comcast going up, like, now all of a sudden we getting the messages like, you reached the limit with the internet. Right, and that. right. you be like, <laughs> where did this come from? Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of kids' uh, patience has diminished greatly, right? Mm-hmm. They and, and and you realize, like, your honor roll kids, they're not that honor roll with this telehealth, mm-hmm. right? They need that in-person learning. They need to be mm-hmm. redirected. They need something hanging over their head where with the telehealth stance, it forced independence, yeah. right? We had yeah. to grow up overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what What does that mean? You telling me I get to choose that I can do my homework or sign on to class when I knew I had to get up, complete my hygiene, and get out the door at a certain time so I can be in school? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the way of life for everybody up until March of 2020. Right. Now we talking about a, a complete, total lifestyle change. Parents, we went from being a traditional parent, which is we go to work, mm-hmm. we come home, we cook dinner, we engage with the kids, we get things ready for tomorrow, we may read a book or something for your younger ones, and then the day start over again, right? We transition from that to parenting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? So initially, it started out fine. Hey, go ahead, go to telehealth. It's exciting. You ain't got to leave the house, right? And then overnight, it was no, stop, don't sit, no, right? Our patience has diminished greatly because we're not used to parenting 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. right? And the kids are not used to being parented 24 hours a day. Right. They had missed such and such in school where they knew they can go and get that hug. Right. Or that redirection. Right. We had people at work where we know we could get certain responses from. Right. Or at happy hour, et cetera, where all, all of a sudden overnight that stuff changed where if we factor in that perspective of, all right, we understand that our kids may not listen the way that we want them to. But we also understand that we didn't sign up to do this all day, every day, let alone working and still coming up with those demands that's on the clock. So, um, like I said, it's it's been that adjustment uh, for everybody and, and especially for the kids, because initially it started out fun for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you got to get up and, and, and go to school, they don't want to do that. Some of them. Right. Now that they're home they don't want to get up and do that. Mm -hmm. And so now you find kids implementing the Saturday and Sunday behavior Monday through Sunday. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. And and they're becoming immune to things that they don't even notice it themselves. Right. So it's like, we're going to have to, you know, teach and reteach, but most importantly, change behavior. So that's, that's the way it is with that. So now you work with single parents. Yes. Okay. Single parents with moms. That's just that's just the the dominance. Right. Right. We're yeah. talking about Baltimore City, sixty three percent. Okay. You know, it's is women women led single households. Okay. There's a um there was a conversation that I was uh privy to where we were having we we're talking about systematic assistant program and whether or not men utilize them. And for the most part, most of us said, nah. And I think it's more so the factor of the 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 idea of for us as men it's like you know we we we're always supposed to have the means you know to be able to accomplish whatever it is that we need to 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 get done and and I'm bringing that up to to basically say I wanted to ask you as far as the importance of especially like men's mental health like what what would you say from your perspective and what what you've seen as far as putting a, a larger focus on it like is it not not enough fo- focus on it yeah, well i would say it's not enough okay right because the 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 stigma as it relates to mental health in general mm-hmm. um is perceived within our community as a bad thing okay right it's right. it's perceived as you weak you soft Right. And and why do you need to go this place to tell somebody what's going on? Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I'll say to that is 
Us men, yeah, we have, you know, the macho sense. And, you know, as the man, you're the leader in, in various different situations if you get to the spiritual realm of things, especially within marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that reaching your hand out saying I need help, it's, it's, it's hard for, for men to submit to themselves to say, this is me. Right. I need to capitalize on this. And 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 a lot of it is, is just not knowing any, anything different. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we talk about we talk about generations of behavior. True. Right. Right. Let's 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 go down the tree. Right. If I say great granddad do this. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then granddad. And then now my dad. And then now you trying to tell me I'm doing something wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. I have the proof right. that what I'm doing, <laughs> I'm following the trend, right. Right? right? And so, and so, you know, just just being skillful within your delivery, I think it's important to to let them know. Like, I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. I just want to show you that it's another way of doing it, mm-hmm. right? And and really sitting down and with somebody, and I, I always like to stress this: like therapy is a space where you can tell someone any and everything that's going on with you and you dare them to tell your information to anyone else because there are laws in place. (laughs) Say that again. You can sue anybody who tell your information to anyone without your consent. You can sue them. It's important to know that because I think that's the biggest fear, right? As a, yep. as a man, right? It's like, how am I going to be perceived if this get, get out? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is this going to taint my image, right? Is 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 this going um, diminish my ability to socialize with others, mm-hmm. right? Is it going to be written all over my face? Are people going to be able to read me when we get to that space? As as men, you know, we we shy away from it. And I think that's a huge response of why we really don't seek out, especially from the therapy stance, to get help because we we feel like we can handle it all, right? You know, when we were young, we taught like, look, you, you need to figure it out, mm-hmm. right? And so even in the midst of something going wrong over and over and over again, and everything doesn't have to be wrong, right? Nothing, things doesn't need to be bad in order for you to come sit on the couch. No, you know, and, and, and it's, it's important. It's important for people, especially men, to, to understand that. But, you know, um, for various reasons, I think I think you should come, because if you if there's one place you need to be vulnerable, do it in your therapy session. All right. Don't do it with your homeboys. Don't do it with your homegirls, because as soon as y'all fall out, they got all your info. And somebody's going to know. Yep. And now you got to live with, oh, man, I hope that never, ever gets out. Right. <laughs> you know, and and now you're walking on eggshells. Somebody else has more control over self than you do. Yeah. yeah. You know, so definitely, definitely come sit on the couch, man, because it's it's very much needed. It's, it's, it's very much needed, especially, like I said, for us as men. And I can tell you, until I got to grad school, Morgan State University. Okay. I didn't get to put that out Shameless there, but plug. you know, you know, got to put that out there. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't until I started reading a lot of behaviors and therapeutic perspectives that kind of make me identify like, Oh, that was me. Oh, that was me. Oh, I didn't know I dealt with that. I just didn't know it had a name. <laughs> you know what that I'm part. saying? Right. And so if I can rewind the time, I wish I had a couch to sit on. To, to really deal with, because how I stated in the beginning with, I had a mom who struggled with addiction, let alone raising three boys by herself, okay. right? I had a dad who, a Vietnam vet, who struggled with PTSD, right? His, his normal was intoxication, mm-hmm. and he couldn't function without that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was, it was to the point where everything happened for a reason. Right. I didn't wake up and say, Hey, I'm going to be a social worker. It kind of fell that way. Right. And so now that I'm older with my own kids, I had to be proactive as it relates to my father engaging with my kids mm-hmm. on a younger level. Right. 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 My dad, he a war rat, vet. 
with mm. weapons around the house, mm. right? His curtains are dark. He don't converse much unless he got the bottle in him. Right, right. You know, right. and you know, it, it was a point where he had to do some crazy things over there. Yeah. All mm. I need is for my dad to, you know, revert back to that mode and my kids are in this cab. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as, as a youngin, I think I was maybe eight or nine years old. I seen my dad put a knife to my grandmother's throat. Wow. I'm laying right beside her. Right. So we talking about we talking about trauma, right? Trauma that's that the foundation of it is it's it's already implemented that you had no idea that that was the birth of it. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I just recall like looking at my grandmother and I see that, you know, her her face is calm and she's talking with a calm voice. I tell you some social workers out here that you didn't even know they were social workers back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing her response. And I guess when dad once glanced at me and seen me kind of like paused and frozen, that's when he kind of pulled away and just walked out of the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until and I had a lot of resentment towards dad for that. Yeah. Right? Because like I said, growing up in low social economic situations with moving from house to house and having mom, you know, being there and doing the best that she could, although I didn't understand that that was the best that she could mm-hmm. when I was younger, you know, going through that stuff. And then now seeing this situation happen to dad, my grandma was the safety net for me. So how, how dare you even do something to her? Right. You know, so that scarred me and, you know, had some resentment towards dad. Um, from that behavior, but you know, from from getting in social work and really understanding like what goes on behind these diagnoses, you know, it 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 provided a lot of understanding, mm-hmm. you know, and and I realized that you know, um, behavior and diagnosis oftentimes have more control than the individual have of themselves mm-hmm. because they haven't they haven't implemented anything to try to manage or cope with what's currently going on with themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. They they became immune to it and they started to expect that this is supposed to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So when it as it relates to try to provide or do something different, that's when I'm stepping outside of my socialization and and I'd rather be safe. So I'ma just stay within it. Mm-hmm. And there's um you know it's it's interesting because the you don't realize that that you come from dysfunction because you, you, dysfunction can become your nor, your, your normal, right? Become what you what you're used to, if if that's all that you've ever known. Um, I wasn't too close with with my mother's mother, um, and she sent me my mother. She called my mind, and I say my mother's mother because I really didn't grow up around her, so I don't necessarily say grandmother. But she gave my mom the guilt trip, and so I got sent out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, one one time for for a couple of weeks to go spend time with this person who's my grandmother who I hardly ever knew and she did her best to be grandma in that moment and so you know we went to the mall and when you're a kid and you just don't know and we got lost coming back and I'm thinking to myself like hey like well she get lost like you know coming back but didn't realize it was for her it was her early early or early stages of Alzheimer's you know okay and we had no clue had no yeah you know, until until years later, and then it was just like, ah, okay, Not right. Since yeah, we we advocate for the factor of of therapy um, here on on Father Should. Period. Um, strong, very strong. individual therapy more so than group or family. Um, like, yeah, sometimes you have to get you together first in order yeah. to fix the family part, and then most people realize, well, I'm fine. No, you're not. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to really work on you just in order to really be able to cope with the dynamic that you're going to have to deal with when it comes to family, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's definitely those aspects where they don't want to, they ain't trying to hear you because this is normal for them. Much of what you said earlier, like, this is how we've always done it, you know, and I challenge it. Oh, you think you better than us because you ain't got some type of education to you now. And you know, and that's why you know, when you stated the importance of individual therapy. Um, so just to paint the picture of the therapeutic experience, right? When you first come into treatment, you'll get a complete assessment done 
on an individual, right? And this is your biopsychosocial, social, spiritual, emotional assessment that we do. That's when we dive into family history, right? We, we, we dive into relationship-based, legal aspect, job, medication, period, right? And so I like to do a genogram, right? Because when we name him, oh, my parents are X, Y, and Z, and then it's, well, how, how would you describe your relationship with mom? right and then a certain line that I draw helps describe that and then it's with dad and then it's okay my little talking point I see the relationships are different we're going to dive into that next okay do we have a family history of any mental illness right and so now we're starting to to get into the bio aspect to see right is it is it something genetically sound that we got going on um and then we get into just you know the life of themselves um and so with that that provide this platform of I got various points to start from, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody comes in protective, right? They have this protective stance. And I can promise you within the assessment, you're not going to get everything that you would like to get in order to start therapy from ground one and really dive into the stuff, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to get that, right? You may have to continuously help the individual identify with some behaviors that you know are not the best behaviors for them, but they have to see that themselves that they are not the best. And then at that point, it'll come out and say, Hey, you know what? I haven't been upfront and honest, but I'm ready. I'm ready to get down and dirty with it. And then, okay, well, let me go back to your assessment. I noticed you said your relationship was different. Let's start from that. How was your upbringing when you were young? Right. We're going to talk about this trust versus mistrust stage. Right. Back in infancy. We're going to dive into that because now we're talking about, yeah, my mom dropped me off on a step and I don't have no relationship with my mom. And I grew up in foster care. Right. And so now we're diving into, OK, this this trust aspect from you has been a burden since day one. And so now do you see how your pattern of behavior with people have have turned out to be, mm-hmm. this is the foundation of it. And mm-hmm. so when you help create those lines of connection, right, yeah. it positions a person to either want to know more so they can yeah. break habits, yeah. or they're ready to go with it and, and, and they jump in and they lie because now mm-hmm. somebody is speaking to them in a manner that they want it to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. You you know what it it helps to make it make sense because I, I do know for um, when I went to therapy, I've, I've been a couple of times, but I'll never forget like the first couple of times she would literally, it was, she was just like, I've never seen somebody who wants help, but will fight mm. the entire time. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? I don't fight. I'm here to answer. She was just like, no. And it was, it was you, it was always a battle coming with us. And it was always probably like 10 minutes before a session was over. And I would just break down crying. Yeah. And I would, I wouldn't cry. It wasn't because she said something. I would just be so angry that either she's not listening to me or she's not really, she's not saying what I want her to say. Yeah. But she's just like, you know, and she basically kind of did that with me. She was just like, okay, let's talk about a couple of things. Let's go through some things. And when she put the pattern of why I do this to how I was raised, I was just like, I, I initially, that was supposed to be our last session. Cause I was just like, this is not working. This therapy is not doing. And she was just like, I know this is our last session. She was like, but I need you to take away. I need you to, I need to add some things to you. If this is going to be our last session, I need you to go out believe in this or thinking this way. Yeah. And it was just like, after that, of course, I bought more sessions because I was just like, <laughs> I'm a lot more fucked up than I thought I was. Like, just, that, and, and she, like, she flipped the script on you. Right, she did. Now, I, I did have to stop going to her because it she got to a certain point and I basically told her when we got to, I said, at this point, it's going to be a no-go for me. And she was just like, what do you mean? I was like, at this particular point, when you say like, okay, well, we need to do like a group family one. I was like, nope, we're not doing that. And she was just like, I'm like, I'm telling you, that's not going to work. I, because I'm doing this with you and I'm doing what you're telling me to do. I'm looking at things in a different perspective. I know my audience. I always say this, know your audience. I know my audience. My audience ain't going to do this. Yeah. Or it's, it's, it's not going to be the way 
that it needs to be. True enough, like if we probably had, it's probably it's probably a couple of things I probably would have broken have would have broken down, and I wouldn't have to work so hard to kind of fix. But to say that, you know, that is why I advocate there. And that's why I advocate therapy, usually on an individual basis, because it's like before you can get to a group, you got to get the individual right. Because at that point, then you can acknowledge self. Okay, this is what I've done outside to other people, because it at least allows you to hear. Yeah, because you know, with most people, it's just like, oh no, you accusing me of doing something. Everybody is always in the fight. It's just like, I need you to understand that your pattern affected me. This is how your pattern affected me. Yeah, I need you to like, even if you don't take ownership of that, and it's not necessarily a blame game. It's just under me having to understand our dynamic in order for me to break this curse. Yeah, because I I can't bring this down to my kids. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, it stops with me. And and, and so get to that until you get to that therapy part. And and that's the importance of working on self, right? Because when we talk about being able to control the narrative, the only person we can control is self. So out of all this work, we can prepare Elserf for a certain response from an individual. But then when we don't get that, we're totally upset. And, you know, mm-hmm. this may not have worked the way that I wanted it to. And it's just coming to realization that, you know what, whatever a person's position is outside of me expressing how I feel once I worked on myself, me getting it out is what was therapeutic for myself. That's what I needed. I, I needed to get this out. This ain't about, at that point, it's not about you. I have to get this out. Yeah. And however you receive it or whatever, it's just for me, in order to, because what they say, you, um, in order to, something you have to go through. Like, understanding, in order for me to get to this other side, this whole mental health, better me part, I got to go through you. Yeah. They like, say your greatest gifts are on the other side of fear. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, Some never standing in a place for so long. But as soon as we take that step to get over it, you know, it's like, wow, that wow moment kick in. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the factor how it is funny how things play out. Right. And, and I'm just going to acknowledge this because I love how the sirens in the background during this course of this conversation it lets you know the fact that like okay we talking some real like this is an emergency right like it's an emergency that's why them sirens is back there something something you know for for right now when you when you sitting there and you listening to it if you ever thought about it hesitated on it there's an importance of going get and we don't even want to well, not even want to say necessarily help. It's important to just go and sit and talk about it. Sometimes the realization when you actually say it out loud mm-hmm. is when it does hits something. You. It's, it's when it's mm-hmm. it like, like damn, that sounds crazy. Is that really what's been going on? Right. Be like, so am I crazy? I'm like, so it's you have to write it down and then read it and say it out loud. And if it sounds crazy at the time when you said it, man, go sit down on the couch with somebody. Yeah, yeah. It, I can guarantee you, if it keeps sounding crazy, when you go away from it and you come back, it's right. still crazy. Yeah. Right. Still crazy. I'm mean, gonna you go see somebody. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, just just keeping it, um, you know within unison of, you know, the title of this podcast, which is a great title, by the way. Um, I do believe, you know, parents of kids need to do therapy, especially Say if they're not again. in the same household. Man, Say right? that again. Yeah. We, got a, we, got a, we got a lot of boys and girls, mm-hmm. right, that, that grow up with no understanding of how to just stand on their own too. Right. Right. And, and and this could be related to various situations, right? We're talking about the 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 mom and the dad who are not seeing each other because of their stuff. Right. Outside of the kid. Right. But the kid is the one that's suffering the most right. from it. 
Say it again. But say it again. You know, it's a situation where they fail to recognize that because the sanity piece is about self. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about if I can keep my sanity <clears throat> and not deal with X, Y, and Z, then right. I'm I'm fine with that. Right. But what happens is with Lord Johnny and Lord Missy, right? It's like how how are they affected by it? And so then when these behaviors start Hello, manifesting, Johnny. right? <laughs> when these behaviors start manifesting, right? It's like, oh, it's something else that's going on. Right. Yeah. And, and but when they get in that seat, yeah. Oh, they'll let you know. Yeah. They'll let you know. Bye-bye. Real talk. Right. No, seriously. Real talk. Wonder. They, they'll tell you premarital counseling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, I often wonder, like, 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 how realistic would it be to have pre-parental parental counseling? Yeah. Counseling. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, real talk. We've now accepted the fact, like, all right, I'm pregnant. Damn. All right. Cool. We having it? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Now so, we having it, you know. Like, 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 so, so, so when I, so, you know, one of the reasons why it is is even with the, as you said, necessarily, even with the name of a father should, because it's what it is. It is men that we should take take the lead on doing. Mm-hmm. Period. If you're a, if you're a guy that's getting ready to become a parent, and you don't know shit about parenting. Except for whatever it is that you went through, they'd be like, "Hey, you know what, girl? Here's what we gonna do. We look, we gonna set some time up. I found us a family therapist. We gonna go and sit down and have a discussion on how we want to be parents." Yeah, yeah. Take that initiative. Don't just sit there and get caught up on the like, "Oh, let's get the registry," and then you know we gonna have the baby shower, and then. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yo, honestly, miss me with the, the the nice announcement video. That's all fine and dandy. But honestly, if your mental state ain't correct, you're fucking up your children. Just straight up. All that. Period. All straight that. up. Your mental and, state and a lot that. of people don't understand that. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do not understand, you know, that foundation, right. so to speak. Or they like to say, oh, I came out okay. Actually, you didn't. Right. You actually, actually, you did not. Right. You did not. And, um, you you is fucked up in a lot. Right. And I and I say that I, I say that because honestly, I should have did that. You know, like I don't I don't want anybody to sit here and think like, oh, I'm standing on a on a soapbox and I'm like, no, nah, I should have did that. Yeah. Because you know, it led for me to literally sit here and apologize to my son well, literally about a about a year ago actually because okay. you know like I said I'm a co-parent and like I tell people like you know my situation is not not the worst but it's not what I what, what, what I would like for it to be either in that it's like yeah I can't point no finger at nobody because I made this choice mm-hmm. I'm dealing with someone's anger man at me but she gotta be right to be Okay, you know. Okay, that's ownership at its best. Yeah, like seriously, like she got every right to be because there was. Now, granted, I think that sometimes people have unspoken expectations, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you get into that situation and probably expect the marriage at some point. Like you know, maybe go on, have some more kids, two car garage, and in a nice home in Bowie somewhere. You know what I'm saying? But gotcha. that wasn't the situation. To to Vaughn's point, I look at what what I grew up in. You know. Yeah. How old is your son, if you don't mind me asking? Fifteen. Oh yes. And have have you guys um ever did any family therapy or anything amongst yourselves? No. So we actually just had a conversation about um a couple of weeks ago about actually him going to uh individual for friends. Okay. Not okay. Do, yeah, I do do individual for for myself, and we actually had a conversation about him. He he wants to. He's he's agreed to it. So we got to okay. we got to get get that set up. But collectively as a group, nah, we had not. Okay. I'm open to it, and honestly, I probably would have maybe made that suggestion some years ago. I think I think the conversation is. And the therapy piece of it is extremely important because like from that early part of team, right, we're we're in that identity versus identity confusion stage. Right. It's it's, uh, you know, the morals and values that I've been taught throughout my life. I know I should do that, but 
uh, identity confusion part is the stuff I see on an everyday basis as it relates to peer engagement, social media, etc. Right. right. And and we're at a, a stage where peers are winning. Right. Right. Because it's it's, it's the cool. It appears. It appears. Right. It, it appears that that that, yeah. that uh, the peers are winning. Yeah. You know. Um. And so, what happens is, if he doesn't address, if this is affecting him, mm. and he doesn't get a chance to address it, it can possibly show up later on in life. It ain't no possible. It's gonna show up some way later somehow. on in life. At some point. some yeah. way somehow, right. and you know, I spoke to um, my first, my fourteen year old. Right, mm-hmm. I had him in therapy, mm-hmm. right, because he's always going to look at me as dad, and I learned that I'm always going to be dad, and he's not going to be able to uh, differentiate that dad is a licensed therapist, and he's dead. I'm always going to be dead. So in the listening and not listening, like that's just dad stuff, right? Right. I'm I'm not. So I put him on the couch with somebody else because he's at an age where he's starting to think and process things for himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. He want answers that I can't, I can't get, right. I can't give you these answers, right. you know? And so in the midst of that, you go in onto this couch because I want you to get out. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember we talked about either writing it down, either hearing ourselves say it, the, the, the beauty of it is you got it out. Mm-hmm that's my goal for him is for him to get out how he's feeling so we can address what's currently going on or they can address what's currently mm-hmm. going on. Right. And I stay out of it. Right. I, don't, I don't need to know because you know that there is a level of autonomy within that. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, Absolutely. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't get in it. Yeah. Same thing if a, if a 14 year old came into my office to get therapy for me. If you're not in a position where you're causing harm to self or others, mm-hmm. what we talk about is between us. Right. That's confidentiality. Right. Yeah. You know, and I know my uh my sister, she has my nephew in therapy. And he's been in therapy, I think, for like two years now. Mm-hmm. And it is something that you know, he at first he was just like a little shy about it. Like, I don't know. This is not this is weird. And now he's just like, no, you know, he'll kind of go with his stage where he doesn't have any appointments and he'll just go to his mom. He was like, mama needs to talk to Dr. Wild. Mm. And she, you know, at first it kind of took her off guard. Like, you know, why? What's wrong? Right. Right. And she was like, well, am I doing something? He was she was he was like, no, I'm just thinking about some things. And I kind of want to talk to him to kind of understand something. And so, you know, at first she was feeling some type of way. And I told her, I was like, do you know how much of a service you did to him? I was like, remember how we grew up? You know, we, I wish we could have got a goddamn therapist. Right. Like, and the simple fact that he understands that and he came to you and he was just like, yeah, you know, I want to go talk to him again because, you know, I got some, I'm like, you are laying such a great foundation. You can't see none of this now. Like I, what I'm doing is I'm understanding this again. I'm from the outside looking in. You are laying an excellent foundation for him to understand like how to process his emotions and not everything, you know, he's not, you know, doing anything crazy. He's understanding how to process how he's feeling or understanding that hey i need to talk to somebody and there's nothing wrong with me going to talk to somebody like no that's healthy like absolutely we have to interact with we need that interaction with somebody and let's be honest your friends are your friends but when it comes down to it and understanding how to process something your friends can't tell you everything not at all they, I mean, hell, half the time they don't know no way. And then they're going to be biased. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and so, and that's my soapbox. I'm going to get off. In this field, you know, as therapists, we very seldomly get the words, thank you. Right? And so, hmm. your nephew going to his mom saying, hey, I want to go talk to the doctor. That's a form of saying thank you mm-hmm. to the doctor. Meaning, you know, our, our rapport has built enough where it's something that he may have said. It could have been one time he said it that I'm willing to buy into it. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back and express some stuff again. 
Mm-hmm. That's a form of thank you. And within this field, a thank you, another thank you may be, hey, I know I only come once a week, but can I start coming two times a week? Right. That's mm-hmm. a form of thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, because you it's it's like the it's, it's soft spoken. Right. Mm-hmm. You you try to keep it on the hush, but then I'm starting to see some trends and some waves of like, hey, I gotta get therapy real quick. I'm gonna holler at you in a minute, you know, and I, I'm like, cool, we we progressing somewhere. You right. know, so it's um it's a beauty, man. I, I I encourage anybody to to get on the couch. So with your kids, what is your approach with them? Like when you're dealing with kids, especially if you're dealing with the kids who are, you know, have that single mother or is that parents but they're how what is your approach with the kids? So so I think so with the approach. Everyone is unique within themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and for me, I'm I'm not your traditional textbook therapist, right? Not I'm, not at com- all. I'm not coming into your household, right? Like, like, hey, Erickson said X, Y, and Z, and you're exhibiting these behaviors right now, and this is going to cause <laughs> A, B, and C, right? I'm I'm not that, right? And so. Once I hear from the support systems, you know, what may be, you know, problems some at the time, then I'm getting up and close and personal with the kid, right? My greatest strength is to build rapport, right? So I use that to my advantage. So if you got some nice J's on, I'm going to I'm 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 grab that for a minute. You know, them J's heading, son. Where you get them from? <laughs> Let me see. They my size. I need them. Right. right. Get them, you know, get them loosened up. And then that's when I'm diving in. So your mom's telling me this. Let me let me hear what you got to say about it. Right. And so it's important to give kid voices. Mm-hmm. Right. Because oftentimes that they don't have a voice mm-hmm. and it's important for us to actively listen to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 I had to help kids understand that you're not actively listening to X, Y and Z. When somebody's telling you something, you're preparing your response, meaning you already missed out. Mm-hmm. So you're already defensive from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't even hear what they're saying to you, right? And so we 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 getting some of the fundamental things in place: communication, listening, right, um, and just kind of finding out what the problem is. What are the contributing factors to the problem? Are there any external stimuli that plays a part within the problem? And if so. All right, we're going to see if we can remove that stuff first to see, if, okay, this stuff was in the way and now this isn't a problem like we thought it was. Or if it's, you know what, this is this is some deep-rooted stuff. Let's sit down. Let's, let's sit down and, and really dive into this thing because first we're going to work on self and then we're going to get to the point of pulling mom or dad in and, and mm-hmm. being able to work from that as a collective unit, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and a lot of people got to understand that, you know, as therapists, Sometimes we're only in your household or in a session for 45 minutes a week. And so a week out of seven days. And so what that entails is we're going to need some follow up and some support from the parents on their end as it relates to the kids. And what you guys want to see changed, Mm -hmm. we need y'all to do some homework as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm catching up on week two, when there's no follow up from week one, you can see me starting from the beginning, kind of over and over again, until the person finally starts to get it. But what happens is they start to realize, like, oh, I'm on my own, right? My support is not there. And this is how it always been, right? But we, uh, a lot of parents will think, like, well, because I'm working and I'm doing X, Y, and Z, that's all the support I can get. And that's very much true. That's very much true. Right. Like I said, my mom, I didn't know any. I didn't know I exhibited everything until I got older and was able to identify with it. But as I reflect back, you know, mom could have did some things differently and I could have did some things differently. So the ownership is is, is definitely on, on both sides of it. But just being able to letting the kid know something different is OK. Mm -hmm. Right. We got to tap into that. Right. Mm -hmm. And like I said, as it relates to the male, you know, women, you guys are the nurturers. Right. You provide that hug. You you let them know everything's going to be okay, Right. And we appreciate that very much. So 
you know, and, and, and for the guys, right, we we like, man, we can't have, we can't just throw you out there and let the vultures eat you up. So, you know, it's it, you got to learn how to stand on your own, too, as well. But what we fail to realize is stop crying what you're crying for as a young child. That's the foundation of a kid being emotionally closed. Yep. Right? And so when we get into our adult relationships or teen, late teen relationships, we don't even know how to express ourselves. Sure don't. Or we're expressing ourselves in violence. Or just we're taking like all of these negative habits because you don't understand that. Like, Yeah. And it could be a learned behavior too, right? It's, yeah. it, it very much could be a learned behavior. And so like I seen my mom go through domestic situations, right? But, you know, I kind of, my mindset was to do the opposite of all the stuff that I seen going on, you know, when when, when I was young. Uh, A lot of people can't make that transition like that, you know? And I think for myself, that all hit in from that graduate school level, right? That's when it hit it. When I was able to see and visually see, like, what's going on with, our people that's outside and it's like bro i'm in these same situations and and predicaments right you know some some different guy it has to be another way because like i said one day i'm gonna be a parent mm-hmm. right and so now i find myself when you know for me being a parent is you know trying to embrace being different right my son i, I will never forget this my son 14 year old he was 10 at the time and you know the different hairstyles and stuff goes on with the young kids. And, you know, I'm like, son, like, why are you, you, why are you doing I don't like this current hairstyle. I don't like, you know, and so my son, he, he says something extremely simple. He was like, dad, I'm only 10. And I was like, son, you're right. You are only 10. (laughs) You are only 10. All right. Now you got a job to do. If you want this, you got to keep it up. You got to do X, Y, and Z, but. You can go in very much, go through your identity stage <laughs> with this. But it put me into perspective, like, bro, it's okay to embrace difference, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I just I just try to be available for my kids as much as I can. So if they need that hug, I'm going to give it to them. It's not going to be like mommy's, right? But I'm, I'm going to let you know, like, bro, that's some stupid shit you just did, you know? <laughs> Boy, come in. You are. Don't do it no more, man. You know, so, you know, we we parent different, but it it still comes from that same place of love. And, you know, that's that's what I try to give off to, you know, my kids. And like I said, my 14 year old, he was my first example, my first experience of parenting. Right. My own. Because like I said, shorty mine. Right. Mine's. Um, So, you know, that was my first experience. And then, you know, a lot of people say, you know, when you have your own, it's going to be different. I'm telling you, you know, and, and so from hearing it so much, I made a vow to myself, like, bro, I will not let my oldest child feel like he's an added entity to this family. Like, no, son, you're the oldest. You're going to lead by example. And these are your youngest siblings. And I have three kids and this is my first, my second and my third. Right. And, and 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 that's the behavior that I try to exhibit on a day to day basis and just understand that they watch me consistently, verbally, non-verbally. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Saturday morning, son, go check all the knobs and see if they need to be tightened up. Right. We're going we're going to teach you some some life skills. So when you stand on your own, too, you're going to be able to carry it without having to call. Please, please teach them knobs because. I just had I I didn't messed up my knob in my kitchen because I know it's lefty Lucy right and tight. I don't know what I did. This knob it, it's totally gone. Like totally yeah. gone. Me, my little screwdriver, and my hammer. We cannot figure it out to save our so so. Please teach. Yeah, go teach the knobs. That is really important. Yeah. And I, you know, I would say I would say for dads to to listen to your kids, right? And and I recall parents was, in general. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I understand what I believe that a lot of times, and I know when I grew up, it was always to stay in the child's place. Oh, you got to stay in the child's place. That's you got to stay in taught. the child's place. That is what you were taught. I mean, that is what we were taught. And we can stay in the child's place. 
But at the end of the day, you can't say, oh, I'm raising you to be this strong, independent, um, thinking child. And then I'm telling you always to shut up because then you're contradicting what you're saying. So it's just like, well, when do I shut up and when do I talk? And then it's like, oh, well, now you're being a smart ass. No, I'm asking a question because I have an opinion about this, or at least I have a different way of looking at it. Yeah. But I can't talk because am I being disrespectful? So it's, it's all about the delivery. Right. And, and I make sure my kids understand that you will always have a voice. Right. So state what you got to say. But you you better make sure it's done in a way that it maintains the respect for your mother and your father. Even when you all talking to each other amongst siblings. Right. Your delivery is, is extremely important. Right. So helping them grasp that concept. You know, my five year old is excuse me, dad. But you said this. Right. Now, so, so you know, my son, he's the question asking. My mm-hmm. daughter, you got to pull her up and close and be like, baby, what you think? What you thinking about? Because she, she's your critical thinker, mm-hmm. right? My son is kind of impulsive in the sense, um, but he, you know, he's he's sharp, though. He's, right. he's sharp. And my baby, she 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 kind of resembled me a little bit. She killed you with kindness. Like, she just sit back and let you think you're winning. And then, you know, she just let you know something. And it's like, oh. Okay, she on. <laughs> she on. So you know they they my baby and my oldest one man. He just in that team where you know he want to stay in his room with the door shut, play the game, be on his phone. And I'm like, bro, open this door. You developing something in here? Open this door. Got let some air flow. Got to. Oh, great way to segue into this. How do you let? them be themselves as you're Mm -hmm. going through a teen and you want to be yourself but then also stress the importance of family and being outside because again my nephew was at that 13 stage and it was usually when he comes here to see me it is like you know I have a whole weekend plan like we we doing everything and this time true enough it was a pandemic but even still it was just like no, I don't want to hang out with you. No, we, you know, I'm forcing him to watch a movie. And it was never like that. Like, it was yeah. always like, okay, well, let me, you know, come, can you come in here and watch this movie with me or something? And it was, we eventually kind of got to that later, but it was just. <sighs> yeah, how so you that, do that? So that, <laughs> that in that stage of development, right? Like I spoke earlier about the peers just winning. Right. And that's the it thing. Right. For them to be on their phones. And psh, I hope you got an iPhone. Right. Cause, oh, that right? was a whole different thing. <laughs> then on their phones and, and communicating with their peers. But I think what what we need to stay, you know, 10, to- 10 toes down with is that traditional stance that we went through. Right. The eating at the table for dinner, the going out on outings together to find out what they like. Mm-hmm. And and make that the topic of discussion for that night, right? If they like to play Fortnite, all right, we all going to pile up in front of the TV and I want you to show me how to play this Fortnite, right? We got to find, we got to find their strengths, right? And, and work from a strength perspective, right? Because if you can find those attributes within strengths, you can apply those attributes to every problem area. And if you have that strength mindset, you'll be able to work through it. Right. And so we got to be able to figure out what is it that they like to do and why they like to do it right now. And don't be afraid to invite their friends over. I know it's a pandemic and I know it's crazy outside, but it's like, well, would I prefer my son to go to somebody else's house or would I prefer their friends to come over here? Hello. You might can affect their friends in a manner that if they outside, their friends could be like, man, you know your father and then going, accept this. Like, think, what you doing? Like, think about it. Right. You know, you, you never know how you can affect it. So, you know, just kind of getting to those traditional stances of trying to keep that going, you know, that's a challenge within itself because after a long day of telehealth for everybody from work and school, everybody kind of go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you're sitting at the table, that stuff been gone. 
All right. You're going outside to play with X, Y, and Z. That's been gone because now we don't have Miss such and such that you knew not to do nothing in front of her house because she was going to call the house and say, hey, your son is doing this. I told him. Right. We don't have that person in the community anymore because it's like every man's for themselves. Right. And, and that traditional that village has kind of disappeared. But we need to implement those. Thank you for listening to our show. Make sure you visit our website at fathershould.org. Follow us at Fathershould Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Fathershould underscore PC on Twitter. 